You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. title of the series that we have been doing this summer should be kind of, I guess, self-evident, the reason behind it. Uh, the series is called Jesus Said It, and uh, Jesus had a lot of very important stuff that we need to uh, listen to. Uh, some of what Jesus said um, can be even worrisome to us, to a certain degree, or maybe discomforting to us. And up to this part in the series, that's kind of the types of things that Jesus said that we have been looking at. Um, Jesus gives some very challenging words sometimes. Some words that we might think are a little bit hard or tough for us to take. Those are the kinds of sayings that we have seen thus far in the series. And, And we needed to do that because you see, sometimes I'm afraid... We get a, a naive look at everything that Jesus said, and we start thinking that uh, everything Jesus said was nice and made us feel good. And that's not always the case, because Jesus was very honest with us. And, and He calls us to a high level of dedication and, and discipleship in following Him without any apology. He calls us to put Him first. And that maybe shakes our world up a little bit because so often we feel short of that, of having really placed him first. So like I said, up until today, the words that Jesus has said might even cause a little bit of fear in our lives. Today, I think the words that we're looking at that Jesus says provide some maybe uh, increased faith for our lives. Instead of the words of Jesus being something that so challenged us that it, that it might have been a little bit discomforting for us, I, I think what you'll see Jesus say today actually provides comfort for us. Look at what Jesus says. At that time, Jesus declared, and it's like he starts into a prayer. He says, I thank you, Father Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then kind of the the crux of of our title today, Jesus said, come to me. All who labor, back up for the verse, please. All who, uh, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what we're talking about today is this. Jesus said, come and rest. Now, that ought to excite you. That ought to sound like a a great prospect, a a wonderful invitation from Jesus. 
Now, now, if it does not, maybe you're not being realistic with your life. Because if we'll be realistic with our lives, a lot of times we're really weary and we are heavy laden with situations and circumstances in life. I mean, be, being weary can involve more than just being physically weary and tired and needing rest. All of us experience that. But many times we can be just emotionally wrung out by life. A lot of people right now are being like economically worn out by life. And people have a lot of financial worries and things because of just all that you see on the news. And to be honest with you, religion itself, and let me qualify that, Christianity, most of you have probably heard me say this, if not, I hope I'm not telling you anything new. If I am, it's something you really need to hear. Christianity is not really a religion. Religion, when you look at what religion really means in religions of the world, most religions are people trying to find their way to God by working their way to God. That's, that's what religion does. And religion will wear you out trying to obey rules and stuff like that so you think you're earning your way to heaven. That will wear you out and really make you weary and really make you in need of rest. Matter of fact, I'll say more about this later in the message, but the more you try and do it yourself, the wearier you get. So even, even religion can wear you out. See, Christianity is not a religion because in Christianity, it's not us trying to work our way up to God. It's God becoming man and coming down to us. He reached down to us. It's a relationship with the Holy God through Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is. So a lot of people are, are worn out and beaten up just by religion. So that may even be where you are today, and it ought to be a very comforting thought to you that Jesus, God in the flesh, stands with open arms, and he extends this huge invitation for you and I to come and rest. So that's what we're going to talk about. And, and as we do so, we're going to kind of answer these two questions. Why can we come to him and rest, and how can we come to him and rest? And as we look at those two thoughts, I want you to keep your ears tuned in for something that will come during the message because this almost kind of became the outline instead of what I just told you. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus will talk about a given rest, one that he gives to you when you come to him. And he also will talk about a found rest, one that you find experientially in your life as you take his yoke upon you. So kind of listen for that concept as we go through the message. To begin with this morning is, is this. Why, why can you and I find rest by coming to Jesus? I mean, what, what are some reasons why? Why is it possible that you and I, especially as sinners, can come to Holy God, we can come to Jesus? Why is it possible that we can find rest by coming to Him? And some of this might sound simplified stuff you've heard before, but it's stuff I find we need to be reminded of all the time. And the first thing is kind of this. We can find rest by coming to Jesus because of who He is. Jesus said there, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And then He talks about His relationship with the Father, that sonship relationship. 
and no one knows the, the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and, and of course anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to Him, which is us. If you know Christ as your Savior, Jesus has chosen to reveal the Father to you. And it's through who Jesus is that we have a possibility to come to Him and actually get rest and be given rest and find rest. Now, in, in that statement, Jesus really talks about three things. He talked about His authority to start with. So because of the authority of Jesus, you and I can come to Him and find rest. Jesus said all things. He didn't say part of the things, part of the stuff. He said all things have been handed over to be my, my Father. That, that phrase in the Greek means to surrender up, to yield up, to entrust. Now, now that includes this, because we're talking about finding rest. That includes whatever situation you find yourself in. Jesus has all authority given him by the Father. Jesus has authority to help you with whatever the circumstances are you're facing in life. In particular, Jesus has the authority, because this is why he came to begin with, Jesus has the authority... To deal with your sin because that's what he did on the cross. He is God in the flesh, shed his blood on the cross that through him you can have everlasting life. You can be forgiven of your sin. You can be in a relationship with God. You can be forgiven. All things have been handed over to him. Jesus is going to rule and reign for all eternity. And that's not just out there. We need to allow him to rule and reign in our lives now. And by doing so... Find rest. By doing so, get rest in the circumstances, in the difficulties. Because life will beat you up. Life will wear you out. And because of his identity, who he is, and his authority, we can find rest. Not just his authority, but his identity, exactly who he is. Jesus said, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. He's talking about the identity of, of him being the son of God the Father, his sonship. And as Jesus makes that statement, he, he's really saying this. He's, he's saying that there's a special relationship that he and the Father has. You and I can know Jesus, you and I can know the Father, but it's not the, the exact same way as Jesus the Son and God the Father have because there's one God revealed in three persons. So Jesus is saying here, He, as the second person of the triune God, has this eternal relationship with the first person of the triune God, God the Father. And it just gives us a special picture of how unique that union is. So because Jesus is that, because Jesus is the Son of God, that implies that through who Jesus is, His identity, as the Son of God, we can experience rest. The word know that's used here means to know upon some mark. You know, most, most of you know your kids when you see your kids because you know what your kids look like. You understand that there's kind of that mark that you know what they look like. Some of you ladies know your kids in the middle of a thousand kids playing in the playground if you just hear them cry because they've you know, stump their toe or scratch their knee or something, you can single that out even though you don't even see them. There's just some marks that identify to you that's your kid. 
But in, in kind of similar fashion, the mark that the Son knows the Father by is exactly that. He is the first part of the triune God. The, the mark that the Father knows the Son by is that. He's the second part of the eternal trinity, the triune God. And then, like I said, that special relationship because of who He is, because He is the Son of God, that ought to communicate to us that we can come to Him as God in the flesh and, and get rest. Not just because of His authority and His identity, but also because of His ministry. Because Jesus said this, after he said, you know, the Son knows the Father and the Father knows the Son, Jesus goes on, he said, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That word for reveal means to take the cover off. It kind of gives the picture of an artist that has, you know, put a sculpture together or a painting and it's covered up. You know, if you've never been to an art exhibition and seen that happen, you might have seen it on TV. And it's all covered up. No one can see it until the cover's pulled away. And when the cover's pulled away, it's revealed to you that work of art. See, that's the ministry of Jesus. Jesus came to literally do that. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. If you want to see what God is like, just look at the life of Jesus in the Bible. Because Jesus, God in the flesh, exhibits all the characteristics of God the Father because He is God in the flesh. In particular, if you want to see what God is like and how He cares for you and loves you, look at what Jesus did for you by going to the cross and dying on the cross for your sins. And it's through Jesus, through Him being our perfect sacrifice, that there's an open door that you and I can have the Father revealed to us. That's why Jesus came. He came to reveal the Father to us. And the fact that Jesus does that, the fact that He did that, ought to help us to see that that means there's an avenue for us to have rest. There's an avenue for us to approach a holy God. See, what we tend to do a lot of times is this. We think of God as unapproachable if we're honest with ourselves and we recognize how sinful we are and how perfect He is. But through Jesus, Jesus reveals that we can approach a holy God because of what He did for us on the cross. Instead of us feeling like we have to stand off because of the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did for us, that opens up the door for us. Jesus is the door of access to the Father. It opens up the door to where we can come to the Father. And through that relationship, we experience rest. He came to reveal the Father. Jesus even said this about it in, in John. Jesus said to him, I am the way. If you look at that in the Greek, the word the is not just any old word the. It means exclusively the in this particular instance jesus said i am the exclusive way i'm the exclusive truth i'm the exclusive life no one comes to the father except through me that's the only avenue we have to the father and when we come to the father through jesus we can experience rest instead of feeling like you have to try and work your way and labor your way and be good enough to go to heaven you experience rest by understanding jesus through His ministry, opens up that possibility that you can be in a relationship with God the Father and actually experience rest in your life. We can also come to Jesus and find rest because of our need. Because of our need. Now, listen to me. You might think that'll make sense. It will, I think, maybe in, in a moment. You see, 
you will not come to Jesus as someone that is laboring in heavy burden unless you understand you need to come to Jesus. Does that make sense? If you don't understand that you are like that individual that Jesus mentions here, all who labor and all who are heavy burdened, if you don't see that as who you are, then why do you want to come to him to find rest? Because you see, you've deluded yourself. You're thinking, oh, I'm okay. People will not come to Jesus as a sinner until they understand they've got a need. Jesus said, all who labor and are heavy laden. I'm glad that says all, aren't you? Because it doesn't say just the pretty people or just the rich people. It says all who labor, all who understand that they, you know, I'm burdened down by my sin. I'm burdened down by, by trying to be good enough to go to heaven. All who understand that, they recognize that they've got a need. All who understand that, 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 that they feel fatigued because of trying to you know, somehow work their way into a relationship with God. The root word that labor comes from means a cut, and, and it means to reduce strength, and by implication it's talking about pain. Labor can almost be like that to you sometimes. You, oh, you, you ever, you know, you've got this task to do, and you're working at it hard, and, and it kind of almost feels like you know, it's pain. It's like there's a cut. I've had to, as you know, most of you probably know, unless maybe you're a first-time guest, but about, I don't know, two, two months and a couple of weeks ago, I, I was told that I had turned diabetic. So uh, I had to change my diet and had to start exercising. And I, I think I've done it, I think I've exercised every day, every day, you know, since then. And, uh, you know, some positive things have happened that I needed to happen anyway. Some people say, well, I'm sorry you found out you had diabetes. And really, I'm not at this point because it made me do some stuff I needed to do anyway. You know, like lose about 30 pounds. <laughs> but can I tell you something? It wasn't fun doing it. Yesterday, I kind of had a long schedule and stuff like that. And I had not worked out yesterday. And it was really tempting last night about 11 o'clock to think, I'm just going to let it go today. And I, and I really thought about it. And then I walked in the room where I set up some exercise equipment. And I started looking at it. And, and I, I picked up a used North Track ski or something to be got cardio. I could really get my heart rate up and, you know, sweat a lot and things like that. And I'm looking at that. And I'm telling you, it hurt last night, 11 o'clock, even to look at it. It was like it was cutting me, you know, to even look at it. But I went ahead and hopped on it. And it's been about, you know, 20 minutes on it before I did some other workout and everything too and it you know I felt better after I did it that I went ahead and did it but I'm just telling you the possibility of it hurt you know looking at it like that us thinking that we can work our way to heaven really hurts us if we think we can labor our way there it, it, it all it does is put a heavy 
load on us. It says, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And that word was used to like load up a vessel or an animal being used to transport something. It was also used in the Greek to talk about being overburdened with ceremony, like having a big burden upon you because you think you're having to follow these religious actions, this, this religious ceremony, and all it does because you never get peace, you never get rest by all this religious activity, and all it does is add more anxiety to your life. The, the harder and harder you try, the more and more you feel like you fall short. And, and you realize you can't do it, and, and you've got this extra worry and anxiety in your life. It, it's something carried like a cargo in, in, in a ship. It's just a burden that gets put upon you. You see, that's what, especially people that are trusting in their own goodness, their own works, their own religious activity, that's exactly what happens. By doing so, you're putting more of a burden upon yourself. You remember guys called the the Pharisees? You know, they they were the guys in the New Testament that that Jesus didn't say a lot of kind things to. (laughs) And uh, they're kind of the ones that went around with their nose stuck up like they're better than everybody else. Remember them, you know? I said in the first service and had several people start laughing. I looked at them, I said, so you've met some of them still yet today, huh? Regrettably, people are still like that today sometimes. Look, look at what Jesus said about the Pharisees. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. In other words, the Pharisees were really good about coming up with a lot of rules, a lot of burdens, and everything like that. And said, if you're going to be in our club, or if you're going to be right with God, then you have to do these things. Here's this burden. Boom, it's on your shoulder. But they wouldn't do anything about it. Kind of the way Pharisees operate. And see, by trying that anyway, that process, that's not what Jesus came to do. By trying to work your way to heaven, by taking this heavy load upon yourself and thinking somehow you can make yourself right with God, all that does is put a heavy burden. It makes you like a ship or an animal that's carrying an increasingly heavy burden because the more you try, the bigger the weight gets on your shoulders because it's an impossibility. You cannot work your way to heaven. All it does is put more more worry there. Peter recognized it and he said this, Now therefore, why are you putting God to test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? See, people were doing that. People who had, who had trusted Jesus, the disciples were following Jesus. The Pharisees over here were still trying to say, well, you know, it takes more than that. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. We've got all these rules you've got to follow. And if you don't follow these rules, it doesn't really matter what Jesus did for you. That's not enough. And, and what they were doing was putting an increase in burden upon the followers of Jesus. And Peter's saying, look, that's crazy because look in the past. Our fathers haven't been able to do it. We haven't been able to do it. Look in your Bible all the way back through all the patriarchs you want to look at all the way through the Old Testament. Guess what? They could not do it themselves. It is not by our own works of righteousness. Trying to do it only burdens you more. And that's what we have to recognize if we we really want to come to Jesus and find rest, we have to start with by understanding what our need is. The first step to understanding, or the first step to rest is understanding and admitting what your need is. 
if you don't admit I've got this spiritual burden on my shoulders where I've been trying to earn my way to heaven, you can't get it dealt with if you don't understand it's a burden. Your first step in getting rest is being willing to come to Jesus and admit that you need Him. Admit that you've got a need. Admit that all your religiosity and all your activity, all it's done is put a heavy burden on you and you have to come to Jesus and trust in Him. Another reason why we can come to Jesus and experience rest is this. Because He invites us. He invites us to come to Him. He says, come to me. Because we talked about labor and being heavy burdened. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. He gives us an invitation. Now once again, I, I've kind of alluded to this a moment ago, but I, I don't know if, if you're understanding how great that ought to be and how blessed you ought to be by that thought. If we would understand, honestly look at our lives, how sinful we are, how unworthy we are, and understand the God of all the universe, Jesus Christ, who spoke creation into existence, that same Jesus stands there and He invites us to come to Him. I tell you what, that ought to blow your mind. The fact that Jesus would invite you to come. I'm not talking about telling you to go clean your life up first and then come to Him. He invites you just like you are. So a lot of people will stand off and people will stand back and say, well, I'm not worthy to come to him. Hey, here's the deal about that. Jesus understands that better than you do. Jesus knows you better than to know yourself. And he stands there and he says, come to me. Matter of fact, it's an imperative form in the Greek. It's, it's like a command. He's saying, I want you to come to me right now exactly like you are. He invites us to come to him so he can Give us rest. He wants us to come in His direction, toward Him, right beside of Him, right near Him. That's the invitation that He gives us. You see, here's the difference in that. Pharisees will say, do. That's what they did in the New Testament. Legalists today who, are trying, who will try and tell you, you can only be in a right relationship with God based upon what you do, they are telling you, do. Jesus, on the other hand, says, come. You see the difference in that? For Jesus to say, come, <laughs> instead of saying, do, he invites us to literally come to him and find rest. Number two today is this, not why can we come to Jesus and find rest. We can do that because of who he is. We can do that when we recognize that we've got the need for rest and we have to come to Him. We can do that when we understand that He invites us to come to Him. But number two this morning is that we need to understand kind of how that works out. How, how can we find rest by coming to Jesus? How can we experience rest? How can we find rest and peace by coming to Jesus? Number one is something that's kind of implied, I think, by the prayer that Jesus prays. We can experience some rest in our lives if we will take the same approach that Jesus takes here in, in this prayer. Look what Jesus prays. He says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, 
Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Guys, just keep the slide right there, man. I'm just going to break that down. We have some other slides that go with it, but I'm going to skip those just for a moment. Look at what Jesus is saying here. Jesus, God the Son, is making a prayer of thanksgiving to God the Father. What he's thankful for is this. As he approaches his Father, God the Father, in this prayer, God the Son calls him Lord of heaven and earth. If we will remember that in our lives, as far as having an experiential peace in our lives, no matter what we're facing, if we will remember He's the Lord of heaven and He's the Lord where? Of earth. Doesn't that have the whole spectrum covered? See, too often we think, yeah, He's on His throne there. He is, but I've got news for you. He's on His throne here right now. And whatever you're going through in your life, whatever the circumstances are, whatever the weight is and the burden that you have in your life, the one that's on the throne there now is on the throne here, and he can help you deal with whatever it is. So you need to have that approach as you're praying God and saying, God, you're in control of it all. He's thankful for this reason. He says that you've hidden these things from the wise in understanding and revealed them to little children. He's actually thanking the Father, and he goes on and says, For such was your gracious will. He's thanking God the Father for God the Father's will to be this, that he will reveal himself and reveal his will and reveal to us, not based upon our IQ. Some of us ought to be real thankful for that. I'm glad he doesn't just reveal himself to us based upon our IQ or our pridefulness in thinking we know it all. That's where the Pharisees were. But instead, he reveals it to us like like little children. And, And that phrase, little children, is really a phrase that I think Jesus was using referring to his disciples because he calls his disciples little children. So if you and I are a follower of Christ, that means we are his little children. What happens if your child, those of you that have children, if your child comes up with a sincere, honest need and request, and they come up and they, and, and they, and they ask you, what do you normally do? But if it's an honest, sincere need and request. Now, I've got news for you. When they get this tall, they don't quit, okay? If you think you do, you're deluding yourself. But what do we tend to do as parents? When our children come up and they've got this honest need, this this desire, this this request, we meet it, don't we? If we can, we meet it. You and I can come to God the Father, the one that's holy, 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 through Jesus Christ the Son, and we can approach Him like little children. The reality of that alone ought to be restful and and, and comforting to us today that you and I are His little children. If, in fact, you trusted Christ as your Savior and you can come to Him like that. If you need rest, come to Him and tell Him that, that you need rest. 
that you're being beaten up by life and the circumstances of life. If you need rest in regards to salvation and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, come to Him and tell Him, I'm worn out. I've tried to be good and I can't do it. Come to Him and He'll give you the rest that you need. He says, you reveal these things like little children because it was such was your gracious will. He wants us to know Him. And I want to come back to what I said to start with before we leave this thought. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you. Here's why I'm pointing that out. The more thankful you and I are as we approach God in prayer, I think the more rest you'll find in your life. You think that might be a possibility? Understand what I'm saying? See, for you to come... Before God, like Jesus comes, as Jesus God the Son comes before God the Father here, if you and I, who know Christ as our Savior, if we come to God with thanksgiving, to begin with, before you can be thankful for it, what have you done? You have thought about it. You've focused upon it. You're reflecting upon all that He's done for you. And then you come to Him and you thank Him for it. Going through that process of reflecting upon everything the Father has done for you, and then you communicating it to Him gives you more rest in your life because you're reminded what He has done. You're reminded Jesus died for you. You're reminded all that God has done for you. And as you thank Him for that, along with it, thanksgiving comes rest and peace. See, Paul wrote this also. Next, come down to uh, the, the verse there in Philippians. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. What did he say to start with? Come to Him in prayer, in everything, no matter what it is, no matter how difficult it is. Come to the Father with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the result of doing that is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The more thankful we are, the more rest, I think, we find in our lives as believers. The more we will spend time in prayer with Him. Not just begging for stuff. I'm sorry, but that's as far as some people's prayer life goes. Yes, he's there, as I said. We can make requests of him. But I'm telling you, a lot of our prayer life ought to be just worship and thanking him for what he's done. And the more we thank him for what he's done, the higher degree of peace we'll get and rest we'll get in our lives. So how in the world can you experience rest by coming to Jesus? One is be thankful in your prayers. Kind of the example that Jesus set. Number two is this, through his promise of rest, through his promise of rest, people will lie to you, Jesus will not. Jesus makes a promise here. He did an invitation, he said, come to me, and then here's the promise that he makes, I will give you rest. The the word means to repose, to to be refreshed, it's from really two root words, in the Greek, that means up in pause and then to stop or to restrain or to quit or come to an end or cease. Now, he's talking here about a given rest. Do you see that? 
It's not a rest that you earn. It's not a rest that you deserve. It's a rest when you come to Jesus by faith. It is a given rest. It's like you come to the point that you decide, all right, I'm up and done with trying to save myself, trying to follow religious works in order that I might be right with God. I'm going to cease from that, and I'm going to come to Him and trust in Him, and He will give me rest. It's a gift. Had I brought this morning a package wrapped up for every one of you with your name on it, and I give it to you, if it's a gift, that means you didn't do one thing to earn it. You understand the difference? If I give it to you because you have earned it, because you've worked for it, it's like I'm paying you, and it's not a gift. See, we, we can't come to God to find this rest, that in this particular rest that's being spoken of here is the rest of salvation. We can't come to God and experience the rest of salvation by coming and saying, God, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, you owe it to me. The way we get the, the rest and the peace that comes from salvation is admitting that we don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do. We're bankrupt spiritually. We're lost before Him. We come to Him by faith, and He gives us that rest. That's the kind of rest that He's speaking of here. It, it, it's the kind of rest that talks about having peace with God. Romans says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, See, through faith in Jesus, we're made just like we've never sinned. Is kind of what that means. Therefore, having been justified by faith, not works, but faith, we have peace with God or rest with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of being an enemy of God and at war with God, when we come to Him by faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross, He makes us just like we have never sinned, and we have peace with God. That's the kind of rest that He's talking about, that Jesus is talking about. It is a rest that He gives us. I read a story a few years ago about a missionary that was in, a, I think it was in Africa. I, I didn't look the story back up just to be sure, but I think it was in Africa. Maybe in an island tribe. I, I may be off on that. But this missionary was a translator. And, and he's trying to figure out how to translate into the native language, the, the native tongue, what it means to believe in Jesus or have faith in Jesus. Now, the problem that he was running into was that in their culture, because it was such a suspicious type of culture in this tribe, they didn't have a word that represented faith. They didn't have a word that represented Necessarily to, to believe or to trust. So here this missionary is trying to translate the Bible into their language so he can communicate to them what it means to trust in Jesus. And there's not a word that already exists that he had found yet that fit the bill. So one day he's out with one of the tribal leaders and they've been out working and they're kind of on this long you know, hike and they're going through the jungle and they get really weary and they come to a shaded place and they decide just to come over here and lay down and rest. And they're talking about that in, in the native tongue. You know, let's lay down and rest for me because we're really tired. And in that moment, the missionary thought, that's the word. 
That's the word that I need to use to help them understand what it means to trust in Jesus. And that's what we do when we come to Jesus. We are resting in Him. We are resting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We're leaning completely upon Jesus. We are resting upon what He has done for us, not what we think we can do ourselves. We trust in Him, and we just rest in that for all eternity, what Christ has done. So that's one way. That's one way how you can, you can find rest is by, is by coming to Jesus. He invites you, and He promises you that, that He'll give you rest. How can we experience rest by coming to Jesus? Well, not just by a rest that's given to you when you come to Him by faith. There's also a rest that Jesus talks about here when He says, take my, my yoke upon you. We, we can also gain rest by taking His yoke upon us. See, right after Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Giving it to you for free. Because of faith in Him, I will give you rest. On the heels of that, then He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to notice three things about what Jesus says there, and then... We'll close in, in, in just a, a few moments. First of all, I think Jesus talks about a requirement, really two requirements. You might even want to put an S on that. He says, take my yoke upon you, and then he says, learn from me. You see that? To start with, Jesus says, take. That's one requirement for us as believers to really Find rest. I'm not talking about being given the rest of salvation. I'm talking about us finding rest. See, take is a verb. Take is something that involves some action. It means to lift up, to take up or away, to raise. It was even used to talk about a boat sailing free after it pulled up anchor. It's something that you actually do. There's not anything that we can do to be given rest, Jesus gives that to us because He calls us to faith in Him. But on the other side of us coming to faith in Jesus and being given rest, being given the peace of God, being justified by faith, there is a form of rest that He calls us to find, to experience in our lives by the stuff that we do for Him. It, it, don't misunderstand me. It's not... You are working your way to heaven. Here's the deal of it. You've come to Jesus. He's given you. He's given you rest. That's salvation. Now, as a result of having been given rest, Jesus says, I want you to take up something you're doing. I want you to take up my yoke, and I want you to put it upon you. And by doing so, you will find rest and experiential rest in your life. You know why some people never ever find fulfillment in their life? In their relationship to God? Regrettably, some people thought they did something they never did. A lot of people, you know, they might walk vacation Bible school aisle with crocodile tears or something like that, but then there's never ever been any change in their life. 
But then for some people, they authentically trusted in Jesus. But the reason they struggle all the time and they don't find peace or rest in their life is this. They've cast his yoke off. They've not taken up his yoke and put it on their shoulder and allowing him to guide their life. That's how we find peace. We come to him by faith and he gives us rest and peace. But we find rest experientially in our life by being willing to take his yoke actively, to pick it up and put it upon our shoulders. And that might sound like a burden, but the same word was used to talk about a ship sailing away after pulling up anchor. Maybe the picture is this. You pull up anchor from your own life and you allow him to guide your life. And by doing so, you actually find real freedom in your life because you have his yoke guiding you. You have his yoke directing your life. You understand what a yoke is, don't you? I mean, most of you have seen pictures of it before. If you've never actually seen one, it was most of the time made out of wood. It was a piece of wood that had been carved to fit, and they would put it over an oxen, or sometimes two oxen, you know, whatever the case is. But they would put it across the oxen's neck, and then there were reins attached to it. And the master of the oxen would direct the ox to do the type of work that needed to be done by guiding through those reins. See, that's a picture of us as believers. Jesus Christ bought us with his shed blood. He, if you are a Christian, he is your owner. He is your master. And as a result of having trust in him and he's given you rest, now to experience that rest, to find rest in your life, you need to allow him to guide you. He's not going to force it. That's why he says you take the yoke. I want you as my follower to be willing to take my yoke upon your life and then allow me to guide your life. The the same word was also used to refer to the balance beam that connects two sides of a scale. Like you've got this main beam and on either side of it you've got a scale and that beam is the thing that's providing balance, the balance beam. By you and I allowing Jesus to direct our lives, it adds balance to our lives. It adds the balance that we need, the direction that we need in our lives. It speaks of servitude. It speaks of you and I allowing Jesus to guide us to direct our lives. We need to take it. A requirement. If we really, as believers, if we really want to find peace in our life, we have to take his yoke. And let him direct us. Second requirement is learn. Learn. He said learn from me. The word from really means off or, or away from something near. And maybe it just gives this image. The closer we are to Jesus, the more Jesus rubs off on our lives. Not for salvation. We got that by coming to him by faith. But finding the kind of rest that we need in our life as we learn from him. Jesus said, I am. And that phrase, I am, is really a claim of deity, especially in the Gospel of John. But when Jesus makes I am statements, do you remember when Moses said to God and people asked me who sent me? And God said, tell them I am that I am. Anytime in the New Testament you see Jesus said I am, 
That's a word that is a claim of deity for Jesus. It simply means I've existed, I've always existed. And here Jesus said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. So we can learn from him. Instead of being prideful and arrogant, we can learn something different in our lives that will provide more rest in our lives, more practical rest, more experiential rest in our lives if we'll just learn to be more and more like Jesus. Does that make sense? So if you want more rest in your life as a believer, after you've been given rest, given salvation, the way you find more rest is to take that yoke upon you and let Him guide your life. Look at the result. The result is this. Take my yoke upon you. And he says, you will find rest for your souls. Earlier I said that was a given when Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Here, this is a found rest that he's talking about. It's a rest that results from taking that yoke upon you. It's a rest that is something you experience in your life as you follow Jesus and you allow Him to guide your life. It's not given to you, but it's something that is found as you wear the yoke and you allow Jesus to guide your life. It's having the peace of God. It's not having peace with God. That happened is salvation. But after we're saved, as we allow His yoke to be in our lives and we do what He wants us to do in our lives, we will experience more of the peace of God, more rest in our lives because we're being obedient to Him. Because we're allowing Him to guide our lives and to direct our lives. Last is a realization. A realization. We take His yoke upon us. The requirement is to take. The requirement is to learn. The result is that we find rest as we allow Him to direct our lives. The realization that ought to come to our lives is this as believers. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All those words do is I just want you to look at one, and, and that's the word easy and the word light, really, too. Employed as in useful, in other words, in manner of morals, better. It does mean easy, it means gracious or kind. The root word that it's built from means to handle or furnish what is needed. It also meant this, to graze as in touching lightly or slightly. And what the word is talking about is the yoke being a well-fitting yoke that was custom-made to graze lightly upon your neck, not to rub it raw, not to cause, you know, friction, but it's a, it's a yoke that's designed especially for you. A proper fitting yoke. He said, my yoke is easy. He says, my burden is light. Simply means light or easy. It, the root word means to, to push as oars or, or the wind pushes. It's like the, the burden he gives us kind of can, can propel us through life. If we'll allow it to. Now, here's our problem with thinking about taking a yoke upon our lives. Because we are so independent and prideful as human beings that we don't want anybody telling us what to do. Now, is that not right? A lot. Huh? If you want to agree for yourself, your spouse will shake their head and say, yes, that's true. 
See, what's wrong with this? A lot of people would say that his yoke is easy and his burden is light because you'll start thinking to yourself, man, Jesus said a lot of hard stuff. We've been talking about that all summer, some very hard, challenging things that Jesus said. And a lot of us might be thinking his, his yoke and his burden doesn't seem like it's light. Jesus said things like this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? See, we kind of dealt with that last week to a certain degree. Why does someone say, you're my Lord, and then at the same time say, I'm not going to do what you want me to do? See, that's a contradiction in terms. An authentic Christian ought to be so thankful for what he's done that we do more than just say, Lord, Lord. We're actually willing to allow him to be Lord, Lord, and do what he wants us to do. So he says some very tough things that might not seem like easy yokes or light burdens. And here's why. It's because our perspective is wrong. The right perspective is this. The words of Jesus, Jesus' yoke upon your life, is always, always, always the best for your life. I don't care how you may feel about it. And we're not talking about our emotions. Because in our human flesh, we're thinking, I don't like a yoke put upon me. I don't like having to do what he tells me to do. Listen, Jesus is God in the flesh, and he knows more about life than you know about life. And he knows more about what's best for you than you know what's best for you. And the right perspective for us to have is not, oh, I don't like this yoke. The right perspective is, His yoke is what is best for me. His yoke is the proper fit for my life. story that I read several years ago, and this is just passed down by tradition. It's not anything that the Bible tells us, okay? So I want to tell you up front, it's just a story passed down by tradition. What kind of shop did Jesus work in? Carpenter shop. You know, one of the things that carpenters would make for farmers? Yokes. And the tradition that was passed down, it was said this, that on the shop outside, on the front of the shop, outside Joseph's shop, was a sign, the shop that Jesus worked in as a carpenter, that said, my yokes fit best. Of all the other yokes, that carpenter shop was saying, all these other people is making yokes, you come to us because our yokes fit best. Now, I don't know if that's true. Like I said, it's just a tradition, just a story. But I do know this is true. The yoke of Jesus always fits best. For our lives. It is a custom fit. For your life. And if you want to really. Find. Rest in your life. It will not come from living your life your own way. It will come from you as a believer. Allowing Jesus. To guide your life. Take his yoke. Put it upon you. Wrong perspective is. I don't like that. The right perspective is. His yoke is a better fit than the yoke of the world, than the yoke of sin, than the yoke of guilt, than the yoke of you trying to work your way to heaven. 
His yoke is a proper fit. Look at what John said in 1 John. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not, what? Burdensome. Why? Because it's always what's best for us. No matter what the world says, no matter what your emotions tell you, His yoke is always the best fit for your life. We're going to have the invitation in a moment. Before we do, Matt McCroskey is going to come up and give you a testimony. Matt, I think you'll discover as you listen to him, has found out in the last year that Jesus' yoke fits his life better than some other yokes that had been around his neck. Listen as Matt comes. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks, everybody, for allowing me the opportunity to stand up here in front of you. <clears throat> I want to start by saying praise Jesus Christ for his yoke. Uh, it has fit my life the best, and uh, my life has been a living example of that, and I'm honored to be able to share you, with you about those experiences today. Because uh, um, Today is a special day for me in my life. Every day is special. The Lord has made it, but today stands out. Today is my one-year anniversary of freedom from all addictions that were controlling my life. And none of that came about easy. Um, I was beat up by taking on the yoke of the world. Uh, I grew up in and out of church, um, several churches. I believed in God for years. I accepted Christ as my Savior years ago. And... Uh, sad to say, but some of the churches I was involved in, they still put a lot of emphasis on what we do and uh, how much we can do and what we can do. And uh, one year ago today, early in the morning, probably about 5 a.m., I was pulled out of bed in a dead sleep by a group of cops and taken to Caldwell County Jail and arrested, uh, locked up, and uh, there was no release date and no court date. Uh, that was kind of a lot to worry about at the time, especially when you're under the influences of drugs and alcohol. I smoked 30 cigarettes a day at the time. Um, so that's a lot to kind of worry about. At the time, I was married. I uh, had a wife for about five years in whom she actually introduced me to this church a couple years ago. But uh, while I was in, in jail, locked up, uh, she was finalizing my divorce and divorcing me. And uh, she was contemplating taking the rights of my precious two little boys away from me. And she had every right in the world to because of the lifestyle I was living. Now, whether or not the charges that I faced were legit or not, it doesn't matter because I deserved to be in that position. I deserved where I was. The lifestyle I was living was terrible. And I was actually in such a mess at that time that um, I forgot to mention this in the first service. I had just finished rounding up for myself my third DUI in three states in four years. That equals no license, no driver's license. Uh, so I'm going to add that part to this part of the testimony. But 
the, the actual jail cell that I was placed in, I had three cellmates, and these were not nice people. Um, one cellmate had been in there for three years awaiting his lawyer to reduce his 30 charges to a third of those charges so that he could get a minimum plea of 10 years in prison. Another guy that was in my cell was a, a, a young gentleman from Charlotte who was facing a 10-year minimum sentence for possession of a crack rock. And then another guy that was in my cell was a young boy. He was 19 years old, and he was locked up in there with me. Uh, he had been in there for a year, and he what he done was he got rid of some bodies that his best friend killed. So those were the people that I was in the cell with. They were grouped together, playing cards, talking about all the things they're going to do when they get out, um, how high they're going to get messed up, all the girls they're going to get with, and all this and that. And I was pretty scared, didn't know which way to turn. And I turned and looked at the wall of the jail cell, and there's a little metal table coming out. And there was a holy Bible laying there. And uh, thank the Lord that Bible was there. Um, it's like God was saying, the yoke of the world, the yoke of Jesus. And I already knew in my heart, I was tired of that. I was beat up by that. I was worn out by that. I'd had enough of that. I was going to trust in this. And the reason I point out the fact that there was a Bible there, it's, it's pretty significant because over the last decade at the Caldwell County Jail, they go in and out of terms deciding whether or not to allow the inmates to have Bibles because they don't want any reading material in there at times when there's a high content of contraband. They say it's contraband. You can roll up your own cigarettes and whatever people get in there. They don't want to allow people to have contraband to, to roll up cigarettes, even Bibles. And this was a time they were trying to sweep out all reading material from the inmates' cells. So I think it was no coincidence that God allowed me to have this, and it was laying there shining like, choose this, choose this. It was at that moment I got on my knees at that table, and I prayed long and hard and um, asked God to just forgive me for the way I've been living and reveal to me His truths. And I've read, uh, in my studies now, I read a lot about um, missionaries in other countries um, and, and their stories of these people in other countries where they're not allowed to study the Word of God. They're not allowed to be Christians. They are killed, persecuted, imprisoned, whatever. And even though not in the same sense as that, I do, at that moment, I, I did realize what they were going through because all I had was the Word of God. That's all I had. I had nothing else in my life except the Word of God, and it was enough. It was perfect. Uh, it's helped me more than anything else this world has ever offered. This Word of God. And previous to that, I doubted some of the Scriptures in here, um, which is not the correct thing to do, I've learned, because the Bible also says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and I was unstable in all my ways. So the Holy Spirit told me, believe every word in this Holy Bible. And I started reading Hebrews, and in chapter 13, you know, to about verse 5, it says, the inspired author of Hebrews said, God has said, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Do not be afraid. What can man do unto you? And it was at that moment I said, God, that's your promise. 
you were with me the whole time. Your Holy Spirit was living in me the whole time I was going through all that. And I was sorry that I put God through all that. And, that he, and I was so thankful that He was willing to go through all that with me. Just to promise me, to show me the promise that He was with me the whole time. So after Hebrews, I, I, there's some other verses that stand out about this time. And because uh, I never understood why I couldn't be healed of my addictions uh, and, and my Christian walk. I was still the center of my focus. My will was the center of my focus. I was taking on the world's yoke of look what I can do instead of the yoke of Jesus, of look what Jesus can do. And um, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I was like, well, so the Spirit's in me, so I'm free. But I'm in jail. <laughs> you know, at the, the time it was kind of funny, but I was like, I see what you're talking about now. I can be free of this world's bondage, this world's persecution by finding my rest in Jesus. So that's what I was, I was doing, was finding my rest in Jesus. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, for He has purchased me until the day of redemption. That means I've never lost my salvation. I was saved. And then I felt even worse. I was like, I see what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell me. I live in you. The lifestyle I continue to live, what I turn to, how can I be a Christian witness living that kind of lifestyle when the Holy Spirit lives in me? And he was uncomfortable the whole time. That's what he was trying to tell me. That's why I was miserable. So, all this time, locked up in jail, I had a lot to worry about. But instead, I decided to completely and 100% trust that Jesus had a plan for me and that he was going to use me no matter what. And somehow all this madness was going to turn in to goodness for him and for the glory of God. And amen to that, 21 days after my arrest date and studying his word and making the commitment and taking on the yoke of Jesus a person come over to the intercom and said, Matthew McCroskey, pack your bags. You're free to go home. Thank the Lord. Thank Jesus. He actually released me and gave me freedom from all worldly bondage at that point. And what he's done for me since then, it's been exactly a year since then. About a month ago, I got my license back. <laughs> and it was a long road. And uh, in the past, I remember being with a group of people and hearing people say, well, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for God. But first, I need my license. You know, I got to get a job or something. Uh, you know, and then, then I can go to church. Then I can be with God. And, and then, you know, put God on the back burner. Well, I need these other things first. I've been without a license or a job for a year. <laughs> I missed one Sunday here because this church bought me a ticket to go to Passion Conference 2011 in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank the Lord. So I'm living proof of what Jesus can do for us. I completely trusted on Jesus to get me around his word, to get me a family that I can trust, a family that loves me. And he's done that for me every step of the way. All I had to do was submit. Thanks to Jesus, I now have a wonderful relationship with my two boys. I was their t-ball coach. And more importantly, 
they are regular attenders here at day three. They were at vacation Bible school. I got to teach them how to dance on stage. That's amazing to me that Jesus has even given me the opportunity to remain their father and the way that he wants me to be their father. Not the way I wanted to be their father, but the way he wants me to be their father. And it's so worth it. I'm a full-time student through Liberty University because God has called me into the ministry. And um, it, that's the last thing that was ever on my mind, that I would ever be standing here proclaiming the gospel of Christ, standing here praising Jesus for what he's done for me in my life. But let me tell you something. He's worth it. Jesus Christ is worth all of our goals, our hopes, our dreams. He is worth everything. Everything that is about us is him. So I am nothing in myself, everything in Jesus Christ. And by taking on the yoke of Jesus and leaving the yoke of the world alone, he's molded me into the disciple he needs me to be, to be the witness for him. Thank you, everyone, for the opportunity to come up here. I love you all. you pray with me? Father, Lord, we thank you for, uh, for the difference that Matt's experienced in his life in the past year. We thank you today that you've allowed us to uh, use that and see that that's an example of how your yoke fits best. <clears throat> so, Father, I, I pray right now for, um, for people here who may not know you at all, uh, may not have ever come to you to be given rest to be given peace father i pray you help them to see that that jesus came as god in the flesh with a ministry of revealing the father and his will to us that he went to the cross and shed his blood on the cross so that through him we can be forgiven of our sins and 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 receive that rest be in a relationship with you that we can have peace with you father if there's someone here that doesn't have that please Right now, just call them to yourself and give them the faith that they need to say yes to Jesus. Lord, for those of us that have already done that, we have said yes to Jesus. We know Him. But Father, maybe we have resisted Your yoke. We've not allowed You to guide us as we should. God, maybe sometimes we uh, out of our own independence or selfishness, we, uh, we want to live our lives as we want to live them instead of taking your yoke and, and placing it upon ourselves. And through that, experiencing the peace that comes from living for you. Father, if there's someone here as a believer, Lord, maybe many of us that would have to admit and say this morning that we've not allowed you to guide our lives as we should. Father, I pray you help us to to confess that to you and make, make commitments to you today to, to take up your yoke every day and allow you to guide our lives every day. And, and through that, we might experience the peace that you want us to have in life, the peace that comes from walking with you day in and day out, serving you and living our lives for you. So, Father, I pray you help believers to deal with that in their life right now. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As the uh, band plays, I'm going to ask you to stand. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus says if you'll come to Him, He will give you rest. If you've never done that, why not come to Jesus this morning and be given rest? If you have done it and you're not following Him and serving Him like you should, maybe you're missing a degree of rest in your life that He wants you to have. 
As a believer, maybe you need to come and say, Jesus, I want you to guide my life more. I want to find more rest in my life by taking your yoke and allowing you to guide my life. God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Basin Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.